Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oreo Park at Camden Yards, it is the Mass and All Access Podcast. Paul Mancano, Bobby Blanco. J2. Coming at you on J2, wherever you're listening, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud. And if you're watching on the Mass and All Access Podcast, or the Mass and All Access Facebook page, rather, you notice that Bobby Blanco is donning his USA... USA. Uh, is that the we- men's or the women's? This is the men's jersey from the 2010 World Cup. Okay. Um, that was the year. Remember, if you recall, uh, yeah. Landon Donovan had that crazy last-second goal against Algeria in the group stage. Yeah. That's when the year they played England um, in the first round, or in the first game of that cup. That was a good World Cup for the United States. They ended up losing to Ghana, I believe, in the round of 16. Look, I know next to nothing about uh, soccer. Yep. I am the anti-Sarah Perlman in that yeah. respect. Sarah Perlman um, was about soccer. Considering she, she did she played. She played. Um, the, it looks like the U.S. is on a hopefully the way to a victory as we record this. Yeah, we're recording. They're You're watching over my shoulder. Yeah, I have. I put it on over your shoulder because I, I need to be because you attention. just don't want to not a, pay attention. It's to me. a That's world cool. semifinal. I mean, how are you like, even? Did you even make eye contact with me once in this podcast? I, I, I'm making eye, eye contact with you right now. Unbelievable! Right, we have some. You're staring through me. No, it's um. Well, I know you're not a big soccer guy, and I feel like we talked about this. That's season. an understatement. Uh, but I feel like we even talked about this um <laughs> last year during the men's World Cup. Um, but you, you got to appreciate what the spectacle that is the World Cup. Yeah, in terms so. of it, it's an international tournament. It's the world's most popular sport. Um, yeah. The U.S. team on the women's side is fantastic. They're so much fun. To oh watch yeah, they're so good. Um, it's like. I know you're not a big soccer guy, but you, you have some interest, right? I mean, I, I respect the heck out of the U.S. women's soccer team and the men's soccer team, but the women's soccer team, I, well, the I, know, that good. That, yeah, I know that they are dominant um, and yeah. they're incredibly talented. I mean, that is... And I root for the U.S. in, in all endeavors. Right, right. Um, it's just... I, I just can't I just can't get into it. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. It's, well, that's fine, but I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's exciting. I, I, like, I love... Uh, you know, the Olympics, the World Cups, like, they're yeah. so cool. Like, I love... Oh, nothing, I'm a huge Olympics guy. There's nothing... The pinnacle of, like, any athlete's career is being able to play for his or her country. Right. Which is very cool. And in a national... In a worldwide tournament. Well, my question for you... I know the Olympic... U.S. doesn't pay Olympic athletes. Do they pay the World Cup? Oh, I forget. I don't know. I, I, obviously, there is a lot of... Uh, conversation about the pay especially with terms of the women's team yes um and equal pay I, uh, I know very little i know i agree that they're horribly underpaid but i don't know if and how much they get paid to play internationally and in the world cup i know like if you win right there's a certain like your country or you, yeah your soccer federation football federation whatever gets like a certain amount of money from fifa like there's a pretty sure there's like a a purse, I guess, like a champion's purse. Yeah. In terms of how you place um, within the tournament, but I, I'm not exactly sure what that is and how that's deviated up among, among the players. Yeah, let's just avoid that bullet right. there. Uh, right. Didn't even think of that. Uh, you know who is getting paid? A lot of international free agents yeah. and amateurs on this day. J two. A lot of them making uh, their first contracts ever for baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, congrats to a bunch of them, and 27 of them have signed already with the Baltimore Orioles. 
On the very first day, Michael Elias said that this was going to be the largest international signing period the Orioles have ever had in franchise history. They've already got 27 under their belt. Now, I saw some comments. We did a live show earlier on Mass and All Access's Facebook page, on the Mass and Orioles Facebook page. It went YouTube. to YouTube. If you haven't watched it, please watch it. Steve Molesky talking. It's great. Uh, we got Kobe Super Perez. Super easy to find. Saw some comments on there about the Orioles not landing any of the top 30 guys, according to Baseball America, whoever it is going to be. The thing is, we you can't expect them to do that in their first foray, considering right. these kids are 16 years old, and the groundwork for these signings are laid out years. I mean, years in advance. Yeah, This isn't something that you... Kobe Perez took over the job on January 2nd, literally, what, six months ago? Mm -hmm. You can't get that done in six months. You just yeah. can't. You have yeah. to build a relationship with these kids and establish them. That So that being said, that is incredibly impressive that the Orioles were able to nab 27 kids right off the bat in the first day, and they expect to be able to use more of that $6.5 million uh, up until June 30, June 15th of next year when the signing period ends. Right off the bat, they got 27, Bobby. Right, and it's kind of like along the conversation that we've had over this offseason in terms of the, the signings of the big guys of Victor, Victor Mesa, Victor Mesa Jr. It's great that the Orioles are in that conversation and were, you know, at least amongst the finalists for those big-time international prospects, but they were never really going to come here. And I think everyone kind of understood that. But the, the, the whole idea of today, J2 2019, is that this is, like you said, like and Michael Issa said, this is the biggest international signing day opening that the uh, the Orioles have ever taken part of. And and it, it's a, a a market, a pool of players that the Orioles have never really dipped into. We yeah. have not seen that. And and you and C. Molesky joined you on Mass and Alexis today and mentioned, and nowadays you just can't ignore this. This yeah. is just too many good players, a whole continent really or everyone but the u.s canada and puerto rico the rest of the world of baseball players you can draft or not draft but sign and bring into your organization to help your team grow it's just it cannot be ignored you cannot dream to compete in today's mlb without having a foreign system uh, international scouting system and, and michael Elias, kobe perez have done a fantastic job we heard uh, quotes from michael Elias saying they're actually well how to schedule he didn't think that they'd be able to get this far this quickly and the fact that they're now already looking at their 2020 pool the 2021 pool i mean they're ahead of schedule and that's good to see um from the get-go and steve molesky threw out the number there i think it's 30 percent of all major league clubhouses yeah rosters are made up of 30 percent of every international yeah free that's, agents. that's crazy to that think crazy. that that's a that's a third of your of your roster that the or that's a third of the roster that the Orioles yeah. are choosing to ignore for up until this point so it's pretty crazy and to think about the fact that most of these kids signed in this international signing period are around 16 years old. And if already 30% of major league clubhouses are international, that means that these kids signed literally a decade ago. Right. A, a, a lot of them and some of them even more. Yeah. So the Orioles are, I mean, we have to take it all in a larger macro perspective. The Orioles are pretty behind in that, yeah. in that yeah. area. So they're just catching up. And we had to catch up as well with it because Steve Molesky, I, I asked him last week about doing the interview for the show, and he said, look, I am just as new to this as yeah. the Orioles are. Now, Michael Elias isn't new to it. Kobe Perez isn't new to it. But the entire Orioles organization has never really delved into this market. And so the 
Orioles reporters and beat writers have never had to cover this and never really knew the full. Bobby, you and I talked about the rules of this yesterday, oh and it took us about an hour For to break a down. half hour. Yeah. yeah, like just like, what does this mean? Yeah, so I want to make clear for uh, the fans who are listening to this who are pretty new to it as well what this what this means, the J2, um, and, and who is eligible for this and the importance of this day, basically. So uh, it is this first day, just the first day of the signing period. Right. It's not like you know, it's all one of and these, done. It's not a draft day. Yeah. And it's not like all these guys um, become available today and stop becoming available after today. It's The signing period opens today, and it is open through June 15th of 2020. Now, each team starts with about $5.5 million dollars. Some teams have more than that, and some teams have less than that, and some teams are right around that $5.5 million mm-hmm. mark. You can get more, basically determined, is based on the competitive balance round pick. So you might remember during the draft, the Orioles had a competitive balance round B pick right after the second round. So that means that they are deemed one of the smaller markets in baseball. Right. They have almost $6.5 million to spend, and basically it's just a, a system that the Major League Baseball has concocted in order to give the smaller markets an advantage, which this before this system existed, it was the Yankees and the Dodgers and yep. you know maybe the, the, the Marlins would, would sign all of the top international free agents because they had a ton of money and because those were pretty much the only teams that all these players consistently knew about. Right. And yeah. So the Orioles have six and a half million. You can also lose money or lose slot allotment, how much you're allowed to spend because of making major signings. Obviously the Orioles didn't do that this past off season. They didn't sign an AJ Pollock or a Bryce Harper or a Patrick Corbin. Mm-hmm. Those three teams that did sign those guys ended up losing slot allotment. They are now down below five million, and then the one team that has zero dollars is the Atlanta Braves because they went a little too hard yeah. in the international market to the point where they were breaking rules. Some would say, some might say <laughs> illegally. Yeah, to the point where they were breaking rules, um, and they have zero dollars. So the Orioles are in good shape in terms of the amount of money they can spend. Yep, that's good. Not just because the Orioles can spend all that money if they want to, which they're welcome and open to doing but also um they can use that money now previous regimes have uh, with the orioles have done that a little bit too much in terms of trading that money for prospects or trading that money for major league talent but the orioles can do that if they want to and they can acquire up to 60 percent of that six and a half million dollars additionally via trades so being in that competitive balance round b spot is it's just the most ideal spot for any team yeah right and think of it this way i think a lot of people also get confused in terms of well where is this money coming from like the mlb gets no no, no. It, it's it's the orioles money yeah. so think of it as like you have your bank account and now you have a separate savings account this is your pool of yeah. five million dollars that you can use just for international money or throughout your however you choose to use it this is your money, not it's not being given by MLB, not being given by any other outside um, source. It's 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 coming from the team that this is the max that they're allowed to use for these signings and for these areas of their organization. Yeah, and it's uh, basically if they don't use all the money, which the Orioles didn't, you know, most teams don't use every single dollar that they end up spending or that they end up having for their slot allotment. Right. 
that money at the end of, at the June 15th mark of 2020, that money goes back into the organization, basically can be used for anything else. Can yep. be thrown at, uh, you know, somebody, uh, you know, can be thrown at our salary. Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, wish. I wish. wish. At, uh, some of that six and a half million. But basically it can be used for just about anything uh, once it goes back into the organization. So the O's went out and they signed 27 guys. Yep. They weren't expected, as mentioned, to get any of the top guys. But they do have three guys at the top of this class um, that they feel pretty good about in terms of headlining the class. They're all six, all three of these kids are 16. They're all from the Dominican Republic. The Orioles got 16 of their kids from the Dominican Republic. And it starts, Bobby, with Luis Gonzalez off the top. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who can play all three outfield positions. It's a young, again, 16-year-old. Um, this is the type of players. And we've talked about, too, that you know the more versatile, the better. So this guy... Being able to play all three outfield positions, he's, yeah, obviously that has to come with some sort of speed, um, a power arm eventually. Um, so the, the way his scouts look at him, he's got a potential impact bat um, with power from the left side of the plate, which is always coveted in, in Major League Baseball. And uh, Luis Gonzalez seems like a, a good starting position. And, you know, you mentioned not a top five guys, not a top ten, not top 30, whoever. But, you know, for where the Orioles are at, in terms of just just starting this process, getting 27 guys and then getting a guy like Luis Gonzalez with all these tools is a really good start for them. Yeah, and it's also keep in mind, I mean, Michael Elias talked about this on O's Extra uh, when he went on last week with um, uh, Rob Long. He basically said, it is so hard. I mean, think about it. These kids are 16 years old. How do you scout? How do you even begin to evaluate the kind of tools that a 16-year-old has? Right. And think about when these guys, the top 30 guys especially, this this is a process that has taken years for these guys to agree to terms with teams. You're talking about kids that are 14, 15. Yeah, right. How do you know what they're going to be like at 21, 25, 30 years old? Yeah. It's nearly impossible. So the fact that – so you have to go where the Orioles are right now, the – huge amount of guys it, it is about spreading that money amongst as many guys pretty much as you mm-hmm. possibly can that's what michael Isis has talked about in a macro perspective of this rebuild is getting as many guys in, in influx of talent it's not just who's going to be you know getting that number one pick adley rutschman that's awesome but it's also about filling in the gaps with as many talented guys as you possibly can a thousand kids literally a thousand kids are going to be signed during this signing period so as many talented guys as you can get uh is important yeah yeah and you know we talked about for like a team going through a rebuild like this yeah obviously restacking the farm system is your number one priority for the orioles as well it's it's not restacking because there's nothing to begin with it's starting to stack yeah your international department and and obviously you want quality players. You want guys that have a chance, have a really good upside uh, like Luis Gonzalez um, to, to make it through the minor league system and eventually to the major leagues. But you never know. Like you yeah. said, at the kid's 16, who knows how he's going to be in five years. Freak injuries happen. He, you know, he could dip off. He could maybe not grow into as much as they think they're going to do. Yeah. But the fact that he's one of 27 is, is the key for me, at least. Yeah. You start, you're, you're at least starting somewhere and starting big. There's a big pool of guys. Say – one or two of these 27 guys become one of your top prospects in the next yeah. five or so years. That's a good That's a good yeah. start, I think, in my mind, for, for Michael Elias and Kobe Perez in terms of starting this whole process of, of scouting in the international markets. And two of the other three guys that the Orioles highlighted at the top of their class. And keep in mind, these are scouting reports that are pretty much handed to us by the Orioles. I mean, this is yeah. not because it is impossible to... 
really have boots on the ground to study these kids. Right. Yeah. I mean, unless Madison's paying for us to go to the DR. Yeah. And, the and do you want to scout a thousand kids? Like, <laughs> no, but I would look <laughs> Like, scout. even if we had time to scout the top 30, we still wouldn't even have time to scout these right, kids. Right, right. Um, Madison All Access would be tough to do from down there. It would be tough. It, we just need a solid internet connection. Yeah. That's pretty much all. No, I, I wasn't worried cool about cool to go down to the Dominican Republic Academy yeah. that yeah. they have down yeah, there. Yeah, and see, see that facility. In Boca Chica that they have down there. We've Boca seen Chica. some videos. Yeah, that's beautiful. Button. Thank you. We've seen some videos sent back from them as well um, that kind of show, you know, the kind of facility that they have down there. There are a lot of teams that have facilities. Anyway, I want to touch on these two guys real quick. Yeah, Lionel Sanchez, the shortstop. He turned 17 in December. He's a... Got uh, gap-to-gap power, as described, and he's got good, uh, solid footwork and a good arm over there at shortstop. And left-handed pitcher Luis Ortiz, who bears the same name as the other pitcher who has made some uh, made his debut with the Orioles last year and has made some spot appearances with the Orioles this year, is currently with the Norfolk Tides. Different Luis Ortiz. He's a lefty, turned 17 in September. He's got, already got command over three pitches, a fastball over 90 miles per hour, which for a 16-year-old, Pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. And a changeup and a curveball. So uh, I, I thought what I thought was interesting too about this class, Bobby, is the fact that during the draft we saw Mike Elias go heavy, heavy on shortstops, on catchers, and on center fielders. Because those shortstops and catcher or shortstops and center fielders, speed positions, those are areas where uh, you want you know, you're gonna get athletes at that at those spots. So like maybe the, you know, if they're not maybe their hitting doesn't fully develop or maybe you know, uh, their defense at short might not fully develop. Odds are they can stick at another position or their defense will propel them over the top. And then catchers, that's a unique skill that like Adley Rutschman, you know, displayed. So Mike Elias, once again, going heavy on talent up the middle. I, I thought that was, a, I was going to bring this up too. I thought this was a really smart point made by you on, on Math and All Access today is Thank that you. it's up the middle. It's the shortstops, obviously outfielders um, that include center field and then catchers too. You yeah. know, it's, it's, this is there. It's like, um, you know, we talk about qu- quantity, no qu- quantity over quality. Yeah. To an extent, obviously you want good players, yeah. but you know, for, for just starting this process, you want more yeah. of the better, uh, just get them in the building and, yeah. and see what they can do. But there's also a method to that madness in terms of we're still targeting these areas of the diamond. Yeah. And, and and that's how we also approach the draft. That's how we're going to approach the signing period. You know, we yes, we need a lot of these players in, but we're also not just going to take, you know, whoever just to get them in here. We're going to we're going to take a lot of players at certain positions because that's where we want them to play. That's where we value players up the middle, catcher, short, second, outfield and spread out and, and then spread out to the corner. So, yeah, that was a really smart uh, point made by you today on Mass and All Access, and and, and um, it's it's interesting to see how you know because it's, again it's not a draft you know it is a period this yeah. goes until June of next mid June of next year and you know it's a f- kind of a free for all teams can go go out and yep. bid and sign players as, as as they choose it's not no direct order um, but there is sort of a a method to all right we're gonna approach the draft this way we're gonna take that mindset and you also approach it to our international signings well if you remember during the draft the first the picks that the oars made through round seven so the first uh, eight picks that they made adley rushman obviously a catcher gunner henderson a shortstop kyle stiller is a center fielder and then rounds three four five six and seven they went center field shortstop shortstop catcher center field yeah that paints a pretty clear picture yeah. of where they value talent, where they value talent, right. and where they value positional talent. 
Another nugget that was interesting that we got from Steve Molesky via Steve Molesky that came initially from Kobe Perez was about the fact that the Orioles had to dive into this market so late, what kind of players were going to be available to them. And Perez said basically the f- they were able to get more pitchers because of it. So right. uh, it, it, essentially the idea is these, these pitchers showed skills later on. And, uh, you know, when, you're, when these kids are 14, they may not be the major league teams may not be sending analytics guys down there to be, you know, looking at, at velocity and, and looking at, you know, pitch break and all the kind of things that they value major leaguers with right now. So the fact that the, these systems are slowly working their way down to other countries means that pitchers, there are more value later as we get closer to the signing period in pitchers, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And, you know, We've we've heard fans been asking for a long time. Like, hey, this this farm system needs pitchers. We we yeah. want an influx of pitchers. And Steve Lesky touched on that part too today. And it's also funny that we've heard from Adam Pohl, Dan and Bowie, being like, "Well, this farm system actually has a lot of good pitchers." Yeah. But regardless, you know, here you go. You've got fifteen right-handers, um, and then you added, I believe it was. Um, a handful of lefties. Ten lefties. Ten, no, no, no. Ten righties, six, six lefties. Left. Yeah. Five lefties. Five, Five lefties. Left. So 15 mm-hmm. pitchers overall. Yeah. So um, more than half of the 27 guys are pitchers. And yeah. So there you go. Uh, you know, you're getting what you wanted in terms – and also up the middle yeah. defensively in terms of position players and then plus all the pitchers. And that's pretty – I mean, it's not obviously 50-50, but – Ten and six, that's yeah. pretty balanced between right and left. And also, considering this draft was very bereft of pitching talent, and the fact that the Orioles did not draft a pitcher until, what, round eight? Yeah. Round nine? I mean, that's so because, you know, there just wasn't pitching talent available, so uh, they ended up getting pitching in a, via a different way. It's all about optionality, about as many ways possible to find talent and bring it into the organization. Yep, yep. And then you you already mentioned Luis Ortiz and like a 16-year-old already touching 90, getting over 90. Yeah. I mean, he's on pace to touch 100 within like, you know, a year <laughs> or so. So no, it's, no, yeah. So it's like, well, I'm not saying... No cool, undue but, pressure. Right. <laughs> but like, you know, he, that a 16-year-old already touching 90, I yeah. mean, that's pretty impressive. Um, the, uh, we saw Tom Eshelman last night make his major league debut for the Orioles. Um against the Rays, and he was struggling to touch 90. So the fact that a 16-year-old is already doing that, I mean, that's a a power arm you already got there in in the waiting. At 16, I was touching 90 pounds. Yeah. All right. (laughs) I was so proud of you. I was not, actually. (laughs) But I was 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 tiny. Small little ball. Wee little ball. Oh, yeah. And then then, uh, the metabolism slows down. And, uh, let's <laughs> and just now say, here's the man before you. I'm just you. steps from the grave You're now, now this point. Oh, come on. <laughs> come, don't say that because <laughs> that means I have to do the Mass All Access shows from here on out. And uh, oh, that's, that's a lot of pressure. Absolutely brutal. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some actual baseball, Bobby. Okay. Some actual baseball that's going on right now in the major leagues. Aki, aki. Uh, uh, yes. C. Uh, <laughs> the Orioles have had some pretty big rotational shakeups over the past couple weeks or so. Um, John Means, Andrew Kashner, Dylan Bundy, those are pretty much the only three that are locked right now into the rotation. Yep. Uh, Brandon Hyde is having to mix and match a little bit in the first, in the first few games of the Rays series, uh, going with Tom Eshelman and then uh, Asher Wojciechowski, we think. Brandon Hyde even acknowledged after the game, the first game, he didn't really know how to say his name. Right. So according to – wait, is this the right – yeah, so according to baseball reference, I'm seeing Wojuhowski. Wojuhowski. W O J U H. 
how ski. Woju how ski. I still don't know how to ski. I'm, I'm uh, I've never terrible. I've never gone skiing or snowboarding. Nope. Terrible skier. Um, so they, they're kind of having to mix and match. Eshelman actually looked pretty good in this first. Did not re- get a strikeout in five innings, yeah. weirdly. Mm-hmm. Got a ton of ground balls, though. Got out of some jams and only allowed two runs. Yeah, and we, we saw uh, Brandon Hyde touch on that with his post-game interview with Jim Hunter being like, you know, when you, you throw – he's not – again, didn't touch – 90, excuse me, didn't touch 90, so not a hard thrower, not a flamethrower, yeah. but, you know, if you place your pitches and put them where you want, you get ground ball outs, and that's what he did. He, I, I really liked, you know, he only went five, and the offense put him in position to, to get the W, actually, um, in the fifth, or after the fifth, um, but, sorry, in the sixth, but I like how he, he struggled, gave up two runs early in the first, and then kind of it leveled yeah. out. I mean, it was nerves. It's your, it's your major league and debut. Yeah. He, he, he kind of leveled out, and then he actually pitched pretty well over the next four innings. It looked like the Rays were about to light him up. Oh, yeah. I was sitting here being like, oh, I'm going to be here forever. Yeah, and and especially to bounce back from the fact that the defense wasn't behind him. I mean, VR dropped what could have been a double play ball at one point, and they could have gotten right. out of the inning. Right, um, I don't know if they eventually called that an error or a hit. But oh, it's I don't remember. It but. Ba- basically like the defense wasn't behind him. That can rattle a young pitcher, yep. especially um, the fact that he was able to kind of work. It, like so many times you see guys that like are making their major league debut or getting a call at the last second and they just come out and get shelled. But yeah. and it looked like it was headed down that path, but he, he settled in pretty quickly. Speaking of guys that don't throw very hard, but still having success. Yes. John Means yeah. heading to the all-star game. Uh, seven and four record, two fifty ERA. Uh, what I, I, I mean, certainly impressive, um, and certainly deserving, absolutely deserving of an All Star um, bid in his rookie season. You gotta feel for Trey Mancini. Absolutely. I mean, so we're having this conversation the other night in the Web Studio. I'm so confused as to how this voting process for the All Star game. I, I don't, I don't fully. Get, I, know I know the know fans voted does. for the starters, right? So the fans put. Starting, yeah, but didn't they come? And the fans also had the the. It was the fans' vote that they took into account in order to get the final guys right. for the starters. So, and then the rest of the roster is selected by either the players or MLB. Right. Well, and, what and the coaching staff, right? For like the Dodgers. Well, that's what. I, so, is that part of the players slash coaches, or is that the MLB office doing that? So, because either way, the what I saw. Yeah. John Means was an MLB selection. So the office, so that to me, that means MLB, Rob Manfred's office selected John Means as the Orioles representative. Every team needs a representative. It's John Means for the Orioles, which is like great. Again, great for him. He deserved it. But I was also wondering how come Trey Mancini got passed over there. Yeah. And, you know, he's the face of the franchise right now. He's the best offensive player, position player that they have. He's well, I mean, he ranks in the top three in many statistical categories yeah. for outfielders in the American League. It's just incredible he's not an all-star. And you just wonder, well, is there just an influx of all-star, um, uh, of outfielders in the American League? And you know, had he played more first base, he probably would have made it. Right. So I, I was just wondering, what was their thought process in selecting John Means over Trey Mancini? Because they both deserve it. Uh, why can't both go? And if you had to choose one, not that it was wrong, right? 
right or wrong either way, but why John Means over Trey Mancini? That would be, be my question. Well, I think it was right that they picked John Means, but I think it was wrong that they didn't pick Trey Mancini. Um, no bias there at all, of course. But <laughs> basically, I mean, you talked about him ranking and doing well amongst American League outfielders. Trey Mancini, some AL outfield ranks for you. Second in batting average, eighth in on-base percentage, fourth in slugging percentage, second in total hits, ninth in homers, tied seventh in doubles. I mean, that guy, he, he is playing like an all-star all season. Um, it really hurts that he didn't get it. And I, I agree with you, Bobby. I don't, I don't, I don't know the method to the madness of picking all-stars because how much sway does the fan vote have compared to the player vote compared to the Dodgers and Red Sox coaching staffs compared to commissioner Rob Manfred. And then you have other factors to consider. Every team needs a representative and uh, you know, certain guys are going to get a, a leg up. Like, like the fact that uh, Hyunjin Ryu is, is starting the for the National League, and it helps might help that the Dodgers have the entire coaching staff there to to pick the National League starter. I mean, there are so many way way too many factors going on here, in my opinion, to be able to determine where any of this stuff comes from. I just want to see a clear system where we know exactly how much sway each party has, or maybe remove some sway from a party. Maybe the fans don't get a vote, or maybe the t- players don't get a vote, or maybe the commissioner doesn't get to pick anybody it's so confusing and it just kind of feels like for a, a, a system that is supposedly democratic it doesn't feel democratic at all it feels like you just throw your vote in there and then the, com- the commissioner or the teams or the players just kind of pick whoever they want yeah yeah and so what i'm looking at right now the breakdown of the rosters so yes fans voted and selected the starters the rest the pitchers and the reserves are then first player elected so voted on by their peers mm-hmm. and then to fill the rest of the roster after that is MLB choices and John Means was an MLB choice okay. says a choice of MLB after fan and player election so someone in the commissioner's office or at the head office of MLB selected John Means which Did, again not it was not yeah. wrong but I was wondering what's the you have to pick one Orioles representative at least one if not two what was the choice between it? Was it because there are so many outfielders in the American League and right. you needed like just added pitching to the staff? Well, and does the commissioner's office take into account fan voting slash the player, player vote? The player like, or, or are they just making that decision willy nilly? Right. I mean, are they beholden to anyone to, to, yeah. to make that decision? And the fact that it is so always so weird to me that fans don't vote on pitchers, I never fully understood that. Yeah, I mean, what's the reasoning? Why can they vote on position players but not pitchers? I don't. To me, that never really I makes guess, sense. Uh, maybe it's because there's only a fine. I mean, there, but there's also a finite of position players. Like, yeah. there's only so many. Well, how about this? Because unlike position players, you're a starter or you're a reliever right. for the most part in pitchers. So, like, you it, all the starters are gonna get voted on. You'll, well, then why be don't way they more split it up? Why don't they say you vote for some starters and you vote for like yeah. they split it up into two categories? Right. So you have you vote for your AL starters and yeah. and uh, relievers, your NL starters and relievers. Yeah, I mean that that makes perfect sense to me. Um, but just just a rundown of of the the roster. Here are the outfielders that got in over Trey Mancini for the American League. The starters: Mike Trout, George Springer, Michael Brantley. No argument there. Um, but then the relief, uh, sorry, the reserves: Mookie Betts, Joey Gallo, Austin Meadows, and Whit Merrifield's Merrifield for the Royals. I mean, Trey Mancini has got to be up there with those four guys in, in terms of reserves. I mean, Gallo, definitely. Uh, I honestly don't know much about Austin Meadows and what he's done this year. Mookie Betts, obviously, he's the reigning MVP. I get that. 
Whit Merrifield, I don't know, was he was he the only royal selection? Like, did they have to fill a spot there? Yeah. I have to look up Austin Meadows. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it ends up being just such a weird thing. It seems like uh, Whit Merrifield is the royal's only representative. Okay, so, they, so maybe they had to shoehorn a guy in there, and he was the only guy that really fit that bill. I mean, uh, Austin Meadows is having a good year for the Rays. I look, just looked up his stats. He's got 12 homers hitting 291, 41 RBIs. And, uh, I mean, that doesn't – Yeah. <laughs> Trey Mancini hasn't beaten every position there, right? Right, right yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't get that. I, like, with any all-star game, not every person who deserves it is going to go. Yeah, yeah. Which is – I understand that. It, it is what it is. Um, it's just a shame. You know, you would hope that – I, I, you can't even do that. Like, <laughs> well, I was gonna say, well, well you we know, we set a low bar. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you are an all-star. You just don't get to go to the game, which would be like doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's almost like no all-star selection is perfect, especially in baseball. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like they should pick the best players in the American League and the National League. Almost well, like it's that. Al- well, it, it feels like every layer that they add, they remove themselves from that idea. Well, I've never been a fan of every team gets a representative it's like well you know no well, then guys who don't deserve right are going and guys who do deserve don't right and i get i understand the reasoning behind it because it ends up it, it's a way for them to try to grow the game so like every kid in every town has somebody that they can root for there's a kid in, in kansas city so. who's uh, rooting for whit merrifield yeah in i the remember growing game. up there were a lot of times like I only watch the All Star Game to watch like the one or two Orioles right. that made it, like Miguel Tejada, Melvin yeah. Mora. That's the like thing. that one All Star right. Game that Mel- M- Miguel Tejada, Melvin Mora, and um, Brian Roberts were yeah. the starting infield. Like that was so cool. Um, yeah, but then every other year, like only one guy made it, and it was usually like Tejada. Well, and it's funny because uh, that also increases the amount of media coverage, obviously. So like they send yeah. more people, but also we covered the All Star Game last year, and that's annoying there's so oh, many it's so yeah. darn well, people in there. i mean like no offense to austin meadows or whit merrifield but i'm not gonna watch into the eighth inning to see them trot yeah. on the field like congratulations that's a great honor you're an all-star that's 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 a high praise from your peers and 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 your commissioner's office but for me i mean you know you're two small market teams maybe meadows because he's in the orioles division maybe yeah. that's even to me that's a stretch right i mean i'm going to be watching to see John Means hopefully pitch in the later innings. He's starting Wednesday night. He'll yeah. be able to pitch in the All-Star game, which is really cool. But after that, like, there's no other reason to watch. Yeah. And it's Especially also, for Orioles fans. And it's also, I mean, the whole the whole process, obviously, is is just kind of... I think I think we have to realize that it it is not an end-all, be-all for, you know, for, for guys' success. Because it, right. it is ultimately still a first-half honor as well. You know, guys who go on to have second halves, a lot of times there are guys who finish in the top five for MVP who weren't all-stars. That's a good point. Or, or Cy Youngs who weren't all-stars because yeah. they have ama- they were fine in the first half and have amazing second halves. Right. So um, it's just a, it, it is just a shame that you, because it, it still means something to the players. Oh, it yeah. still means a lot to the players. Well, I mean, I was, I was, I was heartbroken for Trey Mancini. Yeah. Like, seeing Trey Mancini speak to the media on O's Extra on Monday night was like, I, I, I figured he was disappointed. Yeah. I didn't realize he was that heartbroken about yeah. it. And that made me heartbroken. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, wow, this is a guy who really, one, thought he deserved what she did. He did. And then two, really wanted yeah. to go. And he, for the first time, and in and, and a season that's going to be such a yeah. tough go for the Orioles all year long, for a guy that's given 
up to this point, everything he has in his career to this organization, to be able to represent them in Cleveland at the All-Star game, yeah. would have been uh, he would have been so proud and, and would have loved to do it. But, I mean, so it makes sense that he's devastated. I wasn't expecting it. I thought he would be like, oh, that's a shame. But he, he was really hurt about it, and that, that made me hurt. And you never know how many chances you're going to get to do it. Right. That's true. That's, that's a good point, you too. Never like, we don't know his future, whether it's with this team or another team, and, and, and you know, how his health is, you know, knock on wood, hopefully it's great. And right. He's on pace to be a future all-star and a multi-time all-star, but you never know. You never know. Either for We've seen for several different reasons you could get – you know, you could have a rough first half. You could get injured. So many different things. And it's not like he's 21. He's 27. Right. And on the flip side of the coin, though, same thing for John Means. Like, congr- like yeah. you know, you never know if he's going to get another chance to go to the All-Star game, too. Yeah. So yeah. this so is, it's a great story that he's get to go this year because, y- yeah. you know, you nev- especially with pitchers, pitcher even more so, you never know when you're going to be able to go, especially as they're not really voted yeah. on. So it makes that even more special for him. And it's a shame that this, that the Mancini not being selected puts a little bit of a cloud over um, over means getting selected because that yeah. is a, still in and of itself an incredible, incredible story that, uh, you know, it, it, it's not going to get lost by any stretch. Right. It will definitely get its day and its coverage, but um, it is uh, kind of twinged with sadness yeah. in that we, yeah. do, we don't get to see Trey there. I think we'll always remember, like, the 20 All-Star game for, like, yay, John Means. Dang it. Yeah, for Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini. Like, Mancini. What, like, I, Frustrating. Personally, I can't wait for Trey Mancini's revenge tour. He's going to get 400 he's in the second slug half. <laughs> he's just going to be over a thousand. He's going to finish in the top five for MVP, just as a, a, yeah. you know, a yeah. s- sign of his dominance. I really wanted him to homer last night so I could do like that SpongeBob meme, like he's not in those. You still have like we. I feel like any time from now until oh, the from till like yeah, yeah, until Sunday through Sunday, yeah, until the All Star break. Yeah, All right, I can't wait. Pretty much. Uh, that just about does it for the Mass on All Access podcast. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Give us a like or a favorite on whatever platform you so choose. Apple, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, Google Play. Give All us that a, good stuff. Give us a follow. Mass and Orioles on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Give them a follow, and you can give me a follow at Bobby underscore Blanco. Paul, where they can they find you? At Paul Mancano. Those are our Twitter handles, and we will see you later. 